Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray, coming to you by phone because a hilarious windstorm has knocked out my cable and internet, but we are powering ahead anyway because we are joined, as usual, by Josh first. Hello, Josh. Hello. And we are also joined by um, our, our good friend, Richard Burns, who is a frequent contributor to the Blue Moon Podcast. Richard, welcome to our podcast. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And um, we wish we could have gotten you a more interesting game to discuss, but um, I, I suppose we could spend a half hour on Barcelona PSG. But <laughs> our, our specialty is, is, is City, and we are, of course, to discuss the extremely drab and boring and uneventful nil-nil that occurred on Wednesday at the Etihad Stadium. Um, Lots of talk. There's actually a surprising amount of talking points that comes from this one, namely the fact that there was heavy squad rotation with some big games coming up, um, and whether that had anything to do with anything, um, which is where I want to start because it's kind of at the beginning. Silva was left on the bench, didn't come on until the second half. Sterling was left out of the squad altogether. Um, so, so keeping in mind, and we we have all this talk about having to, uh, I guess, prioritize competitions or what have you. Um, there's an FA Cup game at the weekend against Middlesbrough, which probably represents the competition where City have the best chance of winning a trophy at this point, even before yesterday's game. And then there's the Champions League next week, which is probably, oddly enough, their second best chance, even though I wouldn't say it's a great chance, but they have one. So um, with all that in mind, Richard, I'll start with you since you're the guest. Um do you think Pep Guardiola made a mistake by rotating the squad as much as he did, or is this just sort of a fact of life that's going to come with the fact that City are going to be in all these competitions? Um, I see, I think there's, there's a grain of truth, or more than a grain of truth, to both of them. Um, we do have to rotate. It was, I think, something that was obvious ahead of this, uh, the, the run of fixtures that started with a weekend game at Sunderland and will conclude with the, the game against Liverpool. It is a hell of a run of fixtures. It takes in three competitions and some incredibly difficult and sure-to-be intense games. Given the amount of football that we've um, key players like Aguero, Sterling, Sané, Silva and De Bruyne have played recently, it has given Guardiola, I think, a bit of a headache in terms of who and when he rotates. And so it started with taking De Bruyne out at Sunderland, which obviously um, proved to be uh, it worked well because we didn't suffer for not having him there. Um, it obviously didn't work as well against Stoke. I think there probably were, in this instance, a few too many changes. Um, I think the, the big problem for me, or the biggest mistake, was that by not having Sterling on the bench, he removed a lot of uh, what would probably have been a, a good insurance policy because Stoke, they've had some shocking results this season against good teams, but you can never bank on them being easy to break down. And we have in our squad, and who has been playing a lot of football recently, a sensationally talented attacking player who looks like unpicking any lock at the moment. And the, the balance that he provides to the team with Sané um, has been instrumental in this what is now a 10-game unbeaten run that we're on albeit the the most recent unbeaten game not really being one worthy of much celebration so the other problem he's got is that when he rotates Sterling out and tries to keep that balance the only real option that he's got is to bring Navas in and 
whilst I'd, I don't like to scapegoat Navas as much as a lot of City fans do, he is clearly a significant downgrade on, on Raheem Sterling. So you can't take him out and keep the balance whilst retaining the same quality down the right-hand side. Um, and we, we definitely, definitely suffered for that. The amount of times, uh, particularly in the first half, that Fernandinho was belting the ball over the top from, from really deep with no one really to latch onto it because Stoke were, were playing so narrow and, and so effective. Um, it was, I think that was probably Guardiola's misjudgment. Not that he made the rotation, but in not having the option of Sterling on the bench because he had Silver on the bench and he made a difference when he came on. Um, obviously, players need... Uh, need to be rotated it's a, it is a fact of modern football and they need the recovery time um, but we also need points so uh, I think he maybe missed a trick there but um, I wouldn't go over the top with criticising the rotation per se he is a bit hamstrung by what he's got to bring in I thought they missed um, yeah everyone was saying that um, dropping Silva was, was the uh, I, guess, I guess the catalyst if that's the right word for, for the uh, the flat for 60 minutes and you know, it was an argument that was advanced by the fact that they perked up a little bit once he came on of course it's they didn't start early enough and by the time they started they didn't really leave themselves enough time to to uh basically make any mistakes but i thought that the the drop off from um from sterling to navas was a was a bigger deal because they just <laughs> navas isn't good enough to 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 really consistently play well at this level and there, you know, it, you can't. There were actually a couple, you know, a couple balls he got in there, but there was just, there's no, 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 there's nothing coming of it, and it's a huge downgrade. So I thought that was kind of the, uh, the, the key, and there, there just, there wasn't enough balance because you can, you can have Leroy Sané running down one side all day long, but there was just not really enough support from the other side. Josh, do you, do you agree about the whole? Uh, squad rotation question: Do you do you, is there hindsight is twenty twenty? So feel free to second guess. Well, I mean hindsight's always twenty twenty. But as I tweeted yesterday from both my account and <clears throat> there were a couple times on the American Citizens account, I I really do think Guardiola was hamstrung by the number of fixtures. Look, if we didn't have an FA Cup essentially like six round game uh, 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 at the, at the weekend, I don't think it would matter truthfully. Like, I mean, this game Guardiola would have been able to do whatever he wanted in a perfect world and picked whatever lineup he wanted. But right now Guardiola knows that if city are going to bring home a piece of silverware, their best chance of that is in the FA cup. He'll publicly tell everyone that City are in the title race. But privately, he knows that with 11 games left and an eight-point gap, there is no way in hell that they are catching Chelsea. He has been in Chelsea's position enough times to know how comfortable that lead is. Especially with the way they're playing. Especially with the way Manchester City are playing. And especially with what Guardiola knows his squad to be capable of doing. Now, Champions League and FA Cup are a different story because theoretically, if you get through to them, you can pace yourself appropriately, swap in the right players. Um, But uh, 
in a situation like this, I don't I, I, I think Richard's right. I think his biggest problem was not having relief for Navas on that right hand side. I, I, I truly do. Without without somebody put it on Twitter yesterday. And and it's absolutely true. Unless Leroy Sané is opposite Raheem Sterling, City's offense just doesn't work. Yeah, it uh, it it doesn't work because I mean we we've had a lot of discussions about Navas in in the past on this show, and all all of us who have been watching City since he joined the club, it, it's just you know he's got bags of pace, but he it doesn't really seem to pay off for him um in, especially in the same way that it pays off for guys like Sterling and Sané who have the complete array of weapons basically to take on and beat a defender so looking at that um I think I think you're right I don't think that he made a mistake rotating but I you know I, I can't really disagree that um not even having him on the bench was probably the 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 the, the one mistake he made. We got a comment that I'm turning into a question. It's from Jay Siegley on Twitter um, at JD Siegley and he, he said City should primarily focus on the FA Cup and Champions League now, right? Um, and I my response to that is yes, but because I, I don't know that the title race was on even before yesterday's results. It was yeah. it was a long shot to say at the very least, no matter which way you were going about it. Um, but I, I think that the, 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 the trap you can fall into is, you know, it's easy to look at those two competitions and say, oh, Hey, there's two chances at a trophy. Let's go all out for those two. But at the same time, city are still very much in a top four race. So when you, I think prioritizing there's, there's a bit of nuance to it. And Richard, I don't know if you agree, but obviously city can't just like, ignore league games because of, of I don't think they're, Pepe they're still... ignored this though. I know I, I don't think that I, think I don't think it's ignored. Nava I, I legitimately think he thought Navas could do a little bit more than what he did. And the reason I think he thought that is because Navas has shown us in in the past couple of games that he can do a bit more. Is he ever going to be the type of player that that Raheem Sterling is or will be? No. But can Navas lose his man and get crosses in? Yes, he can. And there's been a couple games this year where I think he's been highly effective. And I think that that's what Guardiola was hoping for. Because he knew he needed to rest Sterling, he just didn't get that performance. Uh, and let's be clear, KDB couldn't put a ball right, and Leroy Sané wasn't really at his best. And so with with Navas out there, KDB was, or with Raheem not there either, KDB was struggling too. I think there's, it's almost symbiotic. When when the, you don't have that link up play between top players, you you suffer in some way. If that I guess if that makes sense, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, go, go ahead, uh, Richard. Go ahead. 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I was going to say as well, I thought that De Bruyne having a bad game was definitely um, a, a massive influence because we couldn't rely on any quality coming from sort of central creative positions. He did start to put um, to put a few decent balls into the box at the end once he had silver with him. But then the amount of times in the first half where he failed to pick Sané out, and there was the one that um, I haven't seen it back yet because I was at the game um, and and there was the one where Sané was screaming for it and De Bruyne didn't release the ball until he was offside. And it's like everybody could see that coming. There was a, there was a perfect time to release it. And so in terms of that balance and other players looking better, like if you're going to have a creative player like De Bruyne off form, it is going to make it so much harder for everybody else because, um, as you were just saying, sort of it shifts the whole balance. If you start to rely more on... like the strength on one side of the pitch if we start to then rely on Sané mm-hmm. well that gives Stoke the opportunity to then focus on putting that out and then it, it, it does sort of it makes everything else so much harder and so much more laboured and I thought that was really evident yesterday it was a laboured performance and um, just to go if, if I can just to, to go back to the sort of question that started this um, on how do we treat the league um, I, I would go further than saying we're in a top four race because I think I think it is undervalued quite often how important finishing in the top three is because then we can avoid the playoff that we had this year. Um, and, and starting your season with those extra couple of games is absolutely not ideal, particularly if you've got, you know, you might get drawn for a long journey um, you know, to Eastern Europe where just after you've started the season absolutely isn't ideal. Uh, and it's not as good for the prestige um, for as you- was as was proven this past year when the yeah. fa gave city no quarter whatsoever yeah they never do they never um they never really look after the english teams in that way do they so uh, i think that the top three is really important which means we absolutely can't take our, our eye off the ball in the premier league um i do think although i do not think city will win the league and i wouldn't have thought that had they won last night there was still an opportunity there because closing the gap to uh, it would have been eight points if we'd have won right if closing it to eight points with a game in hand and still having Chelsea to play um, it's just a chance to keep that little bit of pressure on and just let them know that if they do falter we're going to be there just you know turning up um, turning up a few degrees while they feel the heat and you never know we we know from our previous title wins that Teams can falter. Teams teams can start to feel that pressure no matter how clear they look or, or how experienced they are. So it does feel to me like a little bit of a missed opportunity, albeit not an absolutely disastrous one because we still clearly wouldn't have been anything like favourites. Right, yeah. I, I That's a very good point. There's there's a, there's a few good points in it. Um, uh, I, I completely agree on the top three thing because we saw, you know, City got through this year. They dealt with it, but you're looking at a part of the season where you're still betting in new signings for one. Um, you're, you're don't, you might not know your best team yet. Obviously um, it's, it's not that September when, when the group stage would start is super late in the season, but at the same time, when you get to that point of the season, you've had a month of competitive action with the team. You are at least getting an idea of, of, of how to, how to, how to operate with them. Um, you don't have that if you have to play a two-legged Champions League playoff in August, and the draw was kind to City this year. But 
if they finish fourth again, you know, who knows if we'll, they'll be so lucky um, if they have to do it again next year. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I just, you, you, obviously there's only, um, this, if they go all the way, they only have three FA Cup games to go in the next uh, two months. So it, it, it it's not the hardest competition to work around it. That's what you're prioritizing is the way I would put it. Um, Champions League will obviously be a, a bit tougher, presuming they go through, I and mean, we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, let's let's talk briefly because I don't I don't know how much there is to dwell on about about the Stoke game. But I I, I want to know just a general question if if anyone if any players seem to stand out to you. I thought um, I, I know what I said earlier about I think Sterling being not available was it ended up being a bigger deal than Silva not being available. But I thought. Um, but Wednesday's game, once again, kind of reinforced just how vital David Silva is to Manchester City because when he wasn't on the pitch, you know, obviously De Bruyne is suffering because he has sort of a lack of options to go to, and Aguero was, again, kind of cut off. Um, but I, I thought that Silva's introduction, it, it sort of gave the team that creative spark, and they had more than a few chances to put in a goal. They just couldn't do it in the half hour or so after he came on. But um, I, I was curious if anyone, be it him or anyone else, uh, Richard and then Josh, sort of stood out to you in a good or a bad way, honestly, um, in that game, because it was kind of a nondescript performance. Um, I would, unfortunately, in in a bad way, and I already touched on it, I thought De Bruyne was particularly... Um, particularly out of step on Wednesday, which, you know, I mean, is a player who performs to such a high standard so regularly that he can be forgiven his off nights. Um, but the amount of times that he misjudged passes early on, um, whether it was slightly misjudging the way, um, or, I mean, there was a point where I thought, not to dwell too much on the same points again, but I, I turned to my friend and said, like, he'd overhit a ball to Navas slightly and said, it's it must be quite an odd feeling to go from having Raheem Sterling for a few weeks running, running onto the kind of passes and making something of everything that you can provide him, to having Navas, who just doesn't have the same kind of instinct or quality. Uh, and, and I think he definitely suffered. Um, he, he played a, a few bad balls at really key moments when we had a chance to open Stoke up, which, you know, those, those chances were fairly few and far between for, for large parts of the game. So he did stand out as not maybe being able to carry the responsibility and creative burden that he, he can do most of the time. Um, in a good way, um, and it might be an odd one because it wasn't really a high-quality performance, it was noticeable being there just how much effort Aguero was putting in, which isn't normally something I like to praise because it should be the minimum expectation of a player on the pitch that they're giving. I did it last week, so go go ahead. Yeah, there should be two in a row. Yeah, he, he, he absolutely worked his socks off, um, and it wasn't all like I say all massively high quality. But he was captain last night. And he's not necessarily going to be the most vocal captain, but he absolutely led by example. And whether that giving him the armband was maybe a reward from Guardiola for his recent performances and a way of reaffirming that he's, he's, he is now doing what Guardiola's looking for, um, I'm not sure. But 
he he did lead by example. He harried the defence. He tried to harass them. He was everywhere, and it, it's great to see him. Even if it didn't have an end product, it was fantastic to see that he is clearly um, b- becoming more of the player that Guardiola wants because you know that's what we need him to be, um, and it's what Pep needs him to be. So, in that respect, in a performance where nobody really stood out for technical quality, uh, I, I was impressed with Aguero in that regard. Yeah, I would. Do you have any thoughts on, yeah, on, any, would... on anybody who? Sorry, I, I I would agree with with the effort that Aguero has been putting in lately, and I know I talked about this on the last podcast. I'll I'll, I'll be brief about this part because Richard hadn't heard it, but I think that when the season first started, I truly think the row between Sergio and Pep was that Pep saw Sergio Sergio was kind of a lazy striker in in the beginning like if you watch Manchester City under Pellegrini Sergio I mean it's not to say that he wouldn't drop to pick up a ball uh, or or that he wouldn't drift but he didn't do it with the regularity that he does it now now if he loses a ball Aguero will run the length of the field to win it back like, there is an obvious, obvious influence of Guardiola now in Aguero's game. And I think he's starting to feel it, you know? I mean, it's a lot more on his body. But look at, look at, here's, here's an understated thing for this season. And I know he got dropped for a period of time. But how often has Aguero just been missing? from critical city fixtures throughout his career because of injury. And look at this year. And look at this year. He's doing more work than he ever has, and he's not picking up the niggles. He's not picking up the injuries. So in addition to the fact that he really, in my opinion, is, is doing a hell of a job trying his best to stay on this Manchester City team under Guardiola. Um, I don't know if it's if it's going to happen, but look, man, Sergio Aguero is trying, and that's apparent. And I think that's the thing that fans probably care about the most because out of all the players that could leave, people will miss Zabaleta, people will miss Vincent Company, but I think people would be devastated to see Sergio Aguero go. Yeah. What, what's the old, the old joke? Does he track back? It, it's, it's, there's, there's a hint of truth in it because, you know, there, I think we've been, there have been moments in the past few years where without naming names, because I'm in a good mood today, um, we have seen certain players who look to be mailing it in at certain points. Um, and, and and even beyond that, there's there's a certain appreciation for um for for uh for the players who will be constantly working for working with and without the ball to to try and 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 succeed for the team. And I mean, you, you, there's examples of that. You, you just mentioned a couple of them. I remember, you know, Carlos Tevez for all the off-field nonsense that 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 occurred when Tevez was around. When you put him out there, you knew what you were getting, and he was going to work as hard as he possibly could for the team. Um, 
and 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 you know that that sort of thing endears you to to the supporters absolutely um i i here here's a quick question while we're still talking about the league before we transition to the other two uh the the cup competitions um knowing the remaining schedule that city have left knowing the position that they're in now um what what is your reasonable expectation, Richard, and then Josh again? What is your reasonable expectation for City to finish in the league? Like, do you go with top three? Is that what is that what you're shooting for? Is that your is that what you are reasonably expecting from the team at this point? I I would hope so because I think that City have been a little bit more consistent than Liverpool, and I feel like although. Liverpool blasted City when they played. I'm not I'm not at all convinced that City are that much worse than Liverpool. It may be a style matchup, but uh I I think that we'll see a, a much different game with Liverpool this time around. I just I just I feel like Liverpool kind of is where City was last year. They're having a good enough campaign, but they're probably going to find themselves in that qualifier spot. And, you know, it's gone unstated, but it's entirely possible that the English are going to have five teams in the Champions League next year. Like, given the current lineup of of the... Uh, of the Europa League, I'd not at all be shocked to see Mourinho win that. I just... And didn't he do it with Chelsea, too? That was Benitez. Uh, that was Benitez. Oh, that was Benitez. Okay, my bad. My bad. Um, but the point uh, stands. Yeah, yeah, the point stands. It, I mean, it's it's been, it's been done before. It's been done recently, and I think that... Uh, I wouldn't at all be surprised with the quality that Manchester United have as much as I don't like saying that. I mean, it's it's still true. The quality that they have, you know, at least at the striking position, they should be able to win that damn competition. I mean, Roma may give them a problem or two, but I just I don't see anyone left that, especially the run that United have been on, I just don't see anyone that's going to get I mean, they, well, they pulled Rostov. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I think top three would be best because, as you said, uh, or as Richard said, man, I just really would like to avoid that play-in game. But I'd, I'd like to be in the Champions League at, at, at even if it's fourth. I'm one of those guys that doesn't mind because I think Guardiola will win the play-in game. This yeah. team is going to look uh, much different next Richard, year. yeah. Richard, yeah. are you well uh, top three? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got possibly an odd perspective on, on all this in that I really, really buy into this idea of the importance of um, the players showing that they're adapting to Guardiola and what he wants, um, which is something that they clearly are doing the last 10 games or so. I mean, really, since the Arsenal home game, we've been 
uh, back in December. We've been really, really good with a minor slip up at Anfield and a massive slip up at Goodison Park. Um, the vast majority of the time, we've been good to great with the you know you, the, the Tottenham home performance was stunning. Um, the attacking play against Monaco was stunning. Um, the performance at Sunderland, the wins over West Ham were ridiculously commanding. We're clearly, or the, the players are clearly moving massively towards doing what Guardiola wants. Um, and so positionally, I'm as long as we finish in the top four, although with a massive preference on top three, um, I'm intrigued and interested and concerned with seeing the quality of the um, the performance at least be consolidated and, if possible, improved. Because Guardiola's remit goes well beyond making sure City qualify for the Champions League in the first year or winning trophies in his first year. It is all about creating a style for the club that will last long beyond his time here. Um, and I'm a, um, a massive massive fanboy of Guardiola that I have to keep in check quite a lot. Um, and so I'm, I'm concerned and, and, and wanting to see the team do that. However, um, I think we should be shooting at second place because we're good enough to do that. Uh, Chelsea are the best team in the league. They have been all season, so they should go on and win it. And then after that, Tottenham have had the slip-ups. They've had a couple of slip-ups against good teams recently. They were dreadful against Liverpool. Pochettino is far from infallible. Um, and they're very good, and I love watching Tottenham, but they could slip up. Liverpool, um, for all the reasons that, that Josh has just said, um, are perfectly capable of, of messing up in any game, basically, um, given that they're, all their losses this season or this turn of the year have come against teams that were in the bottom three. Um, other teams are going to drop points. We've got a run of games. We've still got to play Arsenal, United, uh, Chelsea and, and Liverpool. We have a chance to really, really make a mark. Um, so I hope we would be shooting at second place. I expect top three and I would accept top four with a massive emphasis on quality of performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And... Um... Does, does anyone else think that Arsenal is going to be the odd team out in the top four this year? I, yeah, I was right actually, I was actually just going to say I think that there will not be a Saint Totteringham's Day for the, like the first time <laughs> in a long time. I've thought since before the season that this would finally be the year that Arsenal bowed out, and for a while there, I thought they were going to prove me wrong. But they, uh, I think. This year is finally going to be the year that they that they do drop out because they it's toxic there now, isn't it? The atmosphere and it is. It yeah, is. They're not. Sanchez Sanchez is out with Wenger. I mean, if Alexi Sanchez is is has had it, then you don't really have anything at Arsenal short of messing us. Like Ozil won't sign a new contract either. I I didn't hear that. Now, well, see, he, he hasn't yet. That's, so that's a guy I wouldn't mind bringing over to City. But I don't know. Well, what while we're do. while we're while we're talking about um, the, I I I'm going to stray off here on a, on a on a brief tangent again before we get to the FA Cup. But while we're talking about players we'd like to sign from Arsenal, um, I did see the report yesterday that apparently Alex Oxford Chamberlain has. Is, has made up his mind about leaving the club after the season. He, um, that, it was a guy linked, linked to, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I was just gonna, 
because you're looking at Navas probably leaving, and his 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 primary goal seemed to be ambition and not playing time. But um, I guess it depends on the price tag for me. I, I think it would work in a certain in a certain level. Okay, if, if I can see that. I can see that if you're looking at him strictly as that's a just sub- me sort of musing because I saw and I know that they were at least sort of interested last summer. That that I want to ask a question that I saw popped up on Twitter, and uh, I want to get your guys's opinion on it. And it was from ESPN FC asking who should win the PFA Player of the Year. And it was, uh, you know, Eden Hazard or N'Golo Conte. And, and I don't know, dude, it, just me, but I'd give that to N'Golo Conte probably because I feel like he should have won it last year. His achievements are, are stunning, and he's an absolutely um, – he's an incredible footballer, isn't he, Conte? And he's, what, what I like about um, his – success is that he would ordinarily be the kind of player that would be so easy to miss or that could go unnoticed because so much of his job is doing the so-called dirty work but because he was part of the phenomenal Leicester story um, he's almost been noticed or he's got credit a lot quicker than Mm -hmm. players of his ilk might otherwise get credit Um, and I think that's a a great thing Um, so he would have a a fantastic shout at PFA Player of the Year Um, I would throw into that and this might be my my bias Bias. yeah massively coming into it but surely Raheem Sterling must have a shout like that because he's got I mean he's got a story as well from being castigated by Basically, an entire country for almost no reason because he dared better his career um, and better himself and have ambition, and then being castigated again by the media for um, being only as bad as his teammates at the European Championships, and going from being booed at every ground he goes to to actually inexplicably booed too at some grounds where you're just like, why the hell are you booing? Like, and you go to like championship teams and you're like seriously you guys are booing too yes i i have um along with other people have a lot of theories on that but i got shouted at last time i mentioned them on the blue moon podcast so i, I won't um i won't venture them again here today but um, oh, what, just that, just that people are are racist um that is more explicit <laughs> than i said it um <laughs> uh, oh, okay well you're you're fine on this podcast we we brought we brought it up before and we just flat yeah. called them racist would would far you know I would never claim it as um, a point that I came across myself, but there's definitely um, if not overt racism and a nasty undertone to the way that he's portrayed and harassed in our media, which then feeds fan opinions and, and so on and so on. But he's he's overcome all that and his his performances this season are absolutely stunning. Um, and I think well as proven yesterday and again without uh, on Wednesday and without going over old ground this city team and its success is sort of unworkable without him now because he's that good and he's that important to the team um and he has to be in my opinion if there is any justice he has to be a nominee he has to be in the top 6 nominees and he has to have a decent chance of winning that award Yep, I I honestly would agree. His goal tally plus his assist tally, plus it's not just the, the 
the thing about the assists is that a good chunk of those are very, very critical assists. I think at least half of them are equalizers or game winners um, that, that, that he's assisted on. And that's, you know, you, you talk about the money that you're trying to, to, or the worth that you're trying to get from the money that you pay put into the player. I think Raheem Sterling is giving back in so many different ways. I mean, this is a guy who came in under Pellegrini and, you know, like you said, weathered sort of the storm, uh, actually even didn't get to play a lot. Pellegrini still favored Navas over Sterling, which is just freaking mind boggling. <laughs> I mean, the fact, the fact, just seeing Raheem play this year, look, I know Guardiola's had massive influence, but uh, just seeing Raheem play this year and just looking back on, like, man, how many points did we miss out on last year? Um, but, uh, it, you know, the, the, the guy has just done so much and, and, as you said, overcome so much. He's done all this. You know, it's kind of hard not to look back at the Liverpool story. And, and, and I know that it's a surprise. Manchester City podcast sides with Raheem Sterling. But <laughs> if you if you look back at this and take the facts of the story where Raheem Sterling said... You know, I admit that I made a few mistakes, especially doing that interview, but I had the best of intentions when I did that interview. I wanted to clear some things up and thought that by going to the BBC, that would accomplish that instead of the crap that it did accomplish. Um, and you look at how Liverpool fans say, oh, he was doing this, he was doing that. And then you look at the Raheem Sterling that's put his head down and just gotten to work ever since he's been to Manchester City. The facts of what Liverpool fans are saying about this guy just don't match up. They don't. Like, this is a kid that works his ass off. And uh, I think City are extraordinarily fortunate to have him, man. I really do. I, re I, I, I well and truly do. This kid could be something very special for years to come. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would be perfectly good um, seeing him in the player of the year discussion. Is he still eligible for young player of the year? He's only what, like 22. I was wondering that. I don't I know how that works. I, I think he would be. I think he would be. Um, I was wondering that when I was when when I was uh, suggesting him for the main player award. If he's, I mean, how old? Yeah, I mean, didn't we have? Wasn't Gareth Bale? around the same age, if not older, when he was up for young player. Um, I'm, I'm he sure. had, he would have had to have been because didn't he join Real Madrid at like 22? Older than that. It was, it was older or 23. Than that, but it's still, you're, I think, Bale's like, what is Bale, like 27, 28? I don't know, but yeah. um, I, I, I feel like 20, I feel like Sterling is still 27. And he joined Real yeah. Madrid in 2013, so you've been about 24, 23, 24, about that time. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I feel like Sterling would be eligible, but just kind of a... I don't, DFA I Young don't know. Player of the Year is annually given to a player aged 23 or under at the start of the season. 
who was a judge. Thank you for been. clearing that up then. <laughs> yep. yep, I looked it up for you guys. Yep, so it's Easy. it's young yeah. player. Deli, De, the current holder is Deli Ali. So as long as Raheem Sterling was 23 at the start of the season, then he would qualify for young player of the year. And he is because he is 22. So he does, in fact, qualify to win young player of the year. Whether or not they'll Perfect. give it to Give him that one. <laughs> we'll uh, take that one. I, I'm not getting my hopes up. So let's uh, <laughs> let's let's discuss uh, the next game, which is the FA Cup at the weekend against away again, because of course, to Middlesbrough, who are currently populating a spot in bottom three of the Premier League. Um, it's it's I, I wouldn't call it an easy one. Um, the, the the thing is, City will will be back, I would think, to something resembling a full-strength lineup. Although, here's a question. Who starts in goal? Will Pep Guardiola stick with his, his top goalkeeping scheme and throw Claudio Bravo in there? I think he will. I think he'll put Bravo in. Um, I think... I think I mean, he will, too. Yeah, given that he, he did it for both of the Huddersfield games, then I, I just... I, I can't see him holding his hands up so much to uh, Bravo perhaps being a mistake of a signing that he would not, that he would go against the grain of rotating for the cup. Because this isn't just a, a city thing, is it? Rotating your goalkeepers for the cup games is now very much an accepted norm right across teams. Um, I mean, right throughout. Banger plays all Cena in the Champions League. Yeah, it's very much an accepted thing. So I would be, I would be shocked uh, if he didn't start Bravo. Um, but I mean, hopefully he's not going to have too much work to do with his hands. So uh, I wouldn't bank on that. But Middlesbrough are not a overwhelmingly attacking team, are they? So hope I would hope that he's not going to be tested too much anyway, and that we might get to see. Uh, more of what he can do with his feet because he was pretty good at that against Huddersfield. It's you know it's what he was brought in for, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. I I also think that that Bravo is going to find his way in team for better or worse. Um, wouldn't wouldn't that be a story if Claudio Bravo is the goalkeeper in Manchester City's lone silverware this season? Um, so, uh, what do you? How do you guys think this this matches up? Because I think. I mean, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is ultimately City's best chance at winning silverware this season. I know there's some big teams left still in the FA Cup, um, but one of Chelsea or Man United will knock each other out um, in this round, so that's something. Um, but you know, Hopefully I United I I, I thought because I I actually think United are more beatable for City than Chelsea. That's probably true, um, but. I looked at Middlesbrough and I actually thought before the season that this was a team that was going to find a way to stay up because I thought they had talent to do it. They have obviously when city were in sort of their blue period toward around Christmas time, they did nick that one, one at the Etihad hat on the last second, stupid, stupid that game is still stupid. But, um, I, I think we're looking at, um, at, at a good matchup for city because this is a team right now that, um, they're they're fighting for their Premier League lives, and you wonder if that's not ultimately where their minds 
are, and maybe I'm overestimating that effect, but, um, you know, I, I like to think that this is a good, you know, I would, I would rather it be a home tie, but we haven't gotten any luck in that regard from the draws. Um, but uh, you know, I, in, in general, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Middlesbrough, but I like to think, and, and Richard, you can, you, can, you can tell me how you feel about this, but I like to think that this is a matchup where, you know, City with a relatively full-strength side can absolutely, and I would add that their away form has been much better than their home form has been for whatever reason, but I, I like this, this, this matchup for them. Yeah, I, would, I mean, you can't not make City overwhelming favourites, I think. Uh, if I'm perfectly honest, I also have not seen as much of, Middle, of Middlesbrough as uh, I would like um, to give a fully informed opinion on them. What I would say from when I have seen them, um, I I don't know what their strengths are. I They're not, as I said before, they're not an overwhelmingly attacking team. They don't have lots of goals and trying to correct that by signing Rudy Gestead in uh, in January was a move very much symptomatic of a, of a team mired in trouble and that can't go out and attract better because that's a player who's already failed in the Premier League and it didn't seem to fit what I've always understood to be their style under Karanka. Um Obviously, the, the Jordan Rhodes move for them was an absolute disaster. They never managed to make that one work. So, but I'm not sure that from what I've seen of them, I'd necessarily describe them as an overly defensive team, but I might be way off with that. Maybe they're just... They're, they're actually a little bit more defensive than you might give them credit for. Actually, starting with number 11, while they're still in the goal differential, but starting with number... 11 on the table they are the only team below 10th place to have surrendered 30 or fewer goals everyone else is in the 50s and 40s but Sunderland has given up 50 whole city given up 53 Middlesbrough only given up 30 and scored 19 so they actually have a pretty good goal differential for a team that's sitting in the relegation zone. So that I would, at least on if you're looking at them on paper, say that they can, they, they can clearly play defense a bit better than those that are at the bottom. But I think your point still stands. They, they should win this one, right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like they score much, does it? No, no, they 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 have only have four damn wins on the season. I mean, everything else has been a tie or a law, obviously. I mean, but they have ten ties and thirteen losses, and only scored nineteen goals. That's, I mean, not going to win many games scoring nineteen goals. They've got the lowest goal output of anyone in the league, even 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 a below Sunderland. And whole city, like they're they have five fewer goals than Sunderland and whole city. That I mean, we're into if if we concede against them. If we, I think we're into territory with this game where if we concede more than we score and we lose, um, as is what usually happens when you concede more than you score. I think it's into embarrassment territory. To be honest, um, this is given cities hunger and requirement for silverware. That's not to suggest that our hunger and desire will be more than theirs on the day. But um, 
given the necessity City have to sort of try and get silverware on the table every season and that Middlesbrough's focus will clearly be elsewhere, um, I would... I'd be extremely surprised if City don't win this one and everything should point to a City win. You know, we're, we're better across the pitch. From 1 to 11, um, we, are, we are better than them. We play better football and they... If they set up defensively like they did at the Etihad, then yes, they can frustrate us. But we are a much better attacking team than we were then as well. So um, I'm extremely confident of a win. I just want to say as well, um, forgive me for what might be a really boring point, um, and I don't know how this will translate to what I assume is a predominantly American audience. Um, Middlesbrough for this game are charging £10 for a ticket, which for an FA Cup quarter-final between two Premier League teams to charge an away fan is absolutely fantastic. And they deserve a lot of credit for that because they've given us like 4,100 tickets, I think it is, and they could have charged anything. And Well, not anything, but they, you know, they could charge the standard of somewhere up to about £40 and you would still have a full away following for that game. Um, and so they've done the decent thing and maybe surrendered a, a quarter of that revenue they'd get from the away fans. And I think that's... Um, given that I have a massive bee in my bonnet about prices of football in, in this country. Uh, I think that's really worthy of praise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good seriously. Yeah. Um, always always good to hear. And, and I would contest one thing, Gray, uh, for Gray. It doesn't matter who Middlesbrough's left back is. It's better than Kolarov. Like, Gray would <laughs> might argue that. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yes. <laughs> Richard, Richard, I'm curious because I've brought this up before, and it's been hard to find a good answer. But do you do you do you have a theory as to why City's away form seems to be so much more composed and and better than their home form has been? Because that's such an inverse of what we've seen for the last you know several years. Yeah, well, largely, um, I think a lot of it is down to across the season attitudes and approach of the opposition I think no matter who you are and I think Sunderland being rooted bottom of the league were probably the the best example of this last weekend no matter who you are there and who you are playing against there is an expectation and a requirement as a home team in the Premier League that you must do some level of attacking and so for Sunderland they that came largely from set pieces and a snap chance um, when Defoe hit the post, but they pressed City much, much higher than you would expect uh, in had they been the away team, had that game been at the Etihad. Um, teams have been coming from about... Well, Everton really set a blueprint for it. Teams have been coming to the Etihad and setting up very, very deep. Uh, and until we introduce Sané into the team, um, partly in December, but then after his little uh, mini injury, really, once we got him in in January, we really struggled to break down teams who were just putting a, a defence that would pack the box and then a, a midfield line that would sit deep. Ronald Koeman set the blueprint for that uh, when he brought Everton and they, snitched, uh, they snatched a draw. And then Middlesbrough and Southampton did exactly the same thing just with varying degrees of attacking intent um we get behind and break lines better away from home because teams have to leave us that little bit more space i'm sure there's a bit more to it than just that i think that's a large part of it uh, and i think we will see uh, over time that the home form will massively pick up again now 
um, because because we've got a lot more balance. Obviously, again, the Stoke game being the exception, and again, another game that I would use to highlight that. Although the result doesn't bear it out, we were excellent for the vast majority of the game uh, against Chelsea at home when they beat us three one, because they came to attack us. They had to uh, because their ambition dictates that they still have to try and win games uh, no matter who they're playing. So we had lines to break, we had space to get in between and had De Bruyne not hit the bar from practically on the line, we'd have been 2-0 up and the whole season might look different. Um, we were very, very good against the team that came to attack us at home and uh, same, same against Spurs. Okay, they weren't massively offensive but for the vast majority of that game, we were very good. Same against Arsenal. We had to show some attacking intent. We got behind them. Um, so I think it largely comes in the approach of the opposition whilst we are, whilst Guardiola is learning how to set his team up to deal with that. Um, fortunately, he is learning quite quickly how to deal with that and will only get better at it. That makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let, let's talk because, you know, while we have you here, and since it's such a huge game for City season, um, they're about a week away from the Monaco second leg. Um, if they need any further evidence that the two-goal lead that they're going to be taking back is not safe, then they need only watch the Barcelona game um, <laughs> from from Wednesday. Um, but, you know, this is and this kind of piggybacks off your last point because Monaco they do have the three away goals, but Monaco will definitely need to pile on the attack in this game. And I don't know if you two think this, but I think that might ultimately end up playing right into City's counterattacking hands. Yeah. Yeah. I, Go ahead, Richard. Oh, sorry, no, I, I was going to say, yeah, I, I think it will suit City for basically the reasons I just said. It gives us something uh, to get behind. I would say... I would be possibly more amazed than I have been at anything this season if we kept a clean sheet um, because Monaco, I mean, their, their attack is phenomenal. Um, we saw that in the, the first game, which was, I mean, it was just an unbelievable game of football. It was, the, I think, the best I've ever been to in, in my life because um, it had absolutely everything. It had so much that I had to be reminded after the game that there'd also been a penalty save because there was, I, I almost forgot in amongst everything else. Um, Monaco will, I, I just don't see how they don't score against us. Um, but we, knowing that, we have to go there to attack because if they score the first goal, our nerves will start to jangle massively. Um, and because we have to go there with attacking intent, they have to, they need two goals. It's going to be a very open game again. And ultimately like it did in the first leg, I think that should just about suit city better, but it is, it's far from a done deal. Can, this is actually a perfect time for me to make a point that I was making yesterday in reaction to how PSC played against Barcelona, and that is you cannot play not to lose and expect to, to come away, you know, okay from that. Because it, it doesn't matter, you know, PSC walked into the new camp with a four-goal lead. Barcelona had no away goals. They, there was, you know, it was going to take a miracle. But PSC walked in there and they were playing not to lose, and Barca opened them up within the first five minutes, and they just looked completely shaken like they didn't know what to do. You have to go in these games, and you have to show a little bit of ambition. You have to try 
to win these games. Um, you, you know, you might not, you have to be pragmatic about it. You know, you, can, you can't be just completely gung ho about running in there and yeah, for every goal they score, we're going to score too, you know, uh, but you need to be pragmatic, but you cannot just play the the sort of, I guess I'd call it the prevent defense. You cannot do that because that is just an invitation for bad things to happen in my mind. Um, Josh, what do you, what do you, do you, do you agree or do you disagree about this maybe actually being a setup that might actually let city run a little bit wild on the counter? I don't know what to expect from this game. Um, like Richard said, the last game had a little bit of everything, and to his point, that everything also included a feeling that that game very nearly got away from City before they brought it back. Um, yeah, that game could have easily been 3-1 Monaco at one point, and uh, City were rather fortunate that 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 Radamel Falcao opted to pick that time to choke on a penalty because he's actually been pretty damn reliable for Monaco this season. So um, City got extraordinarily lucky that he flubbed that one and Caballero basically just had to fall to his side to save it. It really wasn't in any effort to save that ball. Um it was just basically a mishit penalty. So uh, I, I do have severe worries about the attack of Monaco um, going forward, especially with Mbappe. They just... I, I can see why City are linked to, to so many of their players, these young players, is because they're so damn good. Uh, and talented, but that's the way it's always been with Monaco. You know, they always find a way uh, in the principality to to bring these guys through and then get a pretty penny from them um, off the big clubs, and and they just continue to find quality player after quality player to bring through the ranks. So, uh, I you know I I'm I'm not sure about this one. I'd like to think that at this stage in, in their development or club history that City should be ready to start making regular appearances in the quarters and the semifinals of the Champions League. Um, but uh, as the six-bolt goal performance at the camp... And can we just talk about Neymar for like two seconds? Like if Neymar doesn't win the Balloon Door this year, there there's there's some sort of criminal justice, right? I I gather he was fantastic in the the PSG game and uh, ne- Neymar, Neymar basically put the entire team on his back and 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 made Neymar was responsible directly for the three goals that ended up winning the game, like. First off, he had an absolutely ridiculous free kick. Then he drew a penalty, or then he took a penalty, uh, and then he had that ridiculous assist to Sergio Roberto. So, yeah, basically, Neymar did just about everything a human being could do in the game yesterday and also almost had a cracker, man. I'm almost curled one in from basically the left wing. And, uh, yeah, 
I, I have no idea. It, 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 honestly, it, it, you know, I think yesterday was the type of game Barca have been waiting for. That because they know Messi's time is 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 coming, and they've always wanted Neymar to mature and and putting the team on his back the way that he did to win that game. I think was a pretty defining moment for him. That that was a special game to watch. Holy crap! It was by far way more interesting than Manchester City versus Stoke. I'll tell you that much. I've never. <laughs> So disappointed to be at City as I was <laughs> watch the score rolling in in the Barcelona game. I probably class without seeing the game, but just result only. Genuinely think that's the most sensational football result I can recall because not only was it a huge win, but it was the score it had to be for Barcelona to win. I mean, I know they could have won four nil, but once PSG score, it was yep. the score it had to be. It wasn't just a a six one win. It had to be a 6-1 win, and that's ridiculous. Like, to do that is a yeah. ridiculous thing to do at this level. Um, I have a, a friend who had a bet on, uh, he put £20 on Barca to qualify uh, from, like, before the second leg, um, and it would have paid out £175, except at 80 minutes he bottled it and cashed out for £7. So he lost £13 instead of winning £175 for oh. bottle. Yeah, it was, his, it was also his birthday, so to add insult to injury. Oh, man, when betting goes horribly wrong. Yeah, don't do it, kids. You know, it's funny. I don't... I'm glad sometimes it's not legal here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I've honestly been glad that I'm not a big gambler because I'm so... Like, I can see things. Uh, I picked... I, I saw Monaco beating Arsenal a couple years ago in the Champions League. I actually I said Juventus were going to get past Real Madrid. I think I was the only person in the world who said Juventus were going to get past Real Madrid. Um, I just thought Juventus that year were playing. And even even in the Champions League, I, I think that until the very end, like they were very much in it. And then Barca just did what they did. But... Yeah, that's that's I, I I'm with Gray. I'm glad it's illegal sometimes. But all right, so let me ask this before we get out of here. What do you okay, a couple questions and we'll start here. What do you think because Gray and I talk about this all the time, but what do you consider the minimum success or what would be the minimum expectations you would have for City at this point? Uh, in in the Champions League, are we talking? No, no. Well, as a whole, in 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 every remaining competition, based on you know, obviously, you probably don't expect them to win the Champions League. But what would be your minimum expectation for the team in in the competitions? Like, all right, if this happens, this would be ideal. Um, I think, well, straight away, we have to have a Wembley visit in the FA Cup. We have to be in the semi-final. Um, and then, you'd, I mean, so much is on luck of the draw, isn't it? But I would I would back City to make the FA Cup final, regardless of who they play. Because I think on a one-off day, we would be good enough to beat Chelsea if that was who it was to be in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, in the league, as a sort of said earlier, I would very much um, 
very much hope that we're shooting at second place. I think we're good enough to get there. And I think if we don't get it, then we've probably undersold ourselves a little bit. And that's always my concern. Like I will, I will live with any defeat and I will live with any bit of failure as it may be perceived, as long as it doesn't feel like the team have undersold themselves. It's what annoyed me so much about last season. They were so much less than the sum of their parts. And this year, I think second place is just about par for City. So I would hope that they would make it. Um, but with the exception that the three-game run of Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea back-to-back could swing that, um, depending how we turn up on the day, depending what kind of rotation we have to uh, we have to employ. Um, the Champions League is then the, the great unknown, because I, uh, maybe unusually, I don't know, I don't really use the Champions League at this stage as any barometer of success, because so much is dependent on the draw. We, we could get to the semi-final this year, by beating Monaco and, I don't know, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid or Barcelona in the quarterfinal, and then we could go out of it, which would be such a bigger achievement than getting to the semi-final last year when we played Kiev and a PSG team that got the tactics dreadfully wrong in the second leg. Um, Teams have won the Champions League, English teams have won the Champions League whilst being the fifth or sixth best team in England. I don't use it as the promise for success that a lot of people do. Um, I think we've got, on our day a reasonable chance against anyone in the Champions League. The only team in it that scares me um, is Atletico Madrid because they set up to yeah. in a way that would nullify City and I don't know quite how we would break down the defensive walls that they put up. Um, that's not to say I would make us favourites against every other team, but we've already proven we can beat Barcelona and we were decent against them in the away game until the red card happened. Um, Real Madrid, we could beat, we could get at. Bayern Munich, we could get at, I think. Um, but Atletico Madrid scare me. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the success is in the Champions League. I think we could beat anyone, which means we could win it. Equally, we could flop on Tuesday night because we already know that Monaco can hurt us. Um, clearly the defence is the the point that might let us down. Um so for me, I find it really hard to quantify what I would see as success, which is a massive sit on the fence, um, half-assed answer, to be fair. But a Wembley visit, hopefully a trophy in the FA Cup, and um, second in the league would be a success of sorts. And then the Champions League is the great unknown. I, I would hope we can make a semi-final, but if we draw off Lake Cup or one of the super elite teams then the quarter-final might be acceptable, depending how we were to go out. Yeah. I I, uh, I, I agree with you 110% about Atletico. They scare the hell out of me. Um, especially Griezmann on the counter. Oh, Jesus, man. I hope uh, United. And aren't, isn't Yannick Ferret Carrasco just getting... Like, isn't he a regular now? Has a Carrasco worked his way into the to the regular starting eleven for Atletico? I know I know Gamero's in their regular starting eleven, but Gamero, Griezmann, Carrasco, or I mean that team is just ridiculously loaded. I mean it's Diego Simeone. What's he get gets out of them defensively too? They would be to, so tough to break down, especially because. City just are not good at breaking down any team with um, any sort of defensive integrity, really. 
they're just horrible at doing it. So, if yeah, I I I would watch the the, the fortunate thing about the Atletico games is that even if we lost, they'd likely be low scoring. Yeah, that's true. Like when they like we, we wouldn't get arsenaled by Bayern, you know, <laughs> like it wouldn't be a five one five two ass kicking. Would lose an aggregate ten two, like, like, dude. That aggregate score for Arsenal is like something I rack up on FIFA when I'm playing on easy. You know, like that. That should never happen in real life. Like that should never happen. Oh, Arsenal are so bad. Sorry, I just wanted to drift down memory lane, Gray. <laughs> That's all right. I don't have a lot to add to Richard. I would like to win the FA Cup. And if we could keep Pep's record of um, Champions League semifinals intact, that would be fun. But so much of that depends on the draw, as he said. So, um, the FA Cup is causing me a great personal um, stress at the moment as well, because I have a friend who wonderfully has booked his wedding day for FA Cup final day. So if we're in it, I won't be able to go. And obviously I want us to be in it. Um, but that would break my heart. And there remains the possibility of it being a City v United final, which I have made clear to my friend that if it were to be that, I will never forgive him for as long as I live. But he doesn't seem that concerned. They usually aren't, man. We actually had, you know, college football fans have a rule around here that friends don't let friends get married during college football season. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of a bit surprised that, that you English folk don't have the same rule around the end of the season. Like, that's when all the important stuff is. I, I absolutely would have that rule. Um, and he did say he accepted that I had a difficult decision to make were it to come to that. And then I asked him if he'd ever speak to me again if I chose the football. And he said no, which sort of, if I want to be a decent person, takes the, the decision out of my hands, doesn't it? But anyway, it won't matter. Well, I mean, you could always flip it back on him and ask him what kind of person wouldn't speak to him if he chose <laughs> to go watch a football game. I mean, hey, man, as somebody who recently got married and had people that didn't show up to his wedding... I forgot that they weren't even there. Like, I mean, and these are sub like, oh yeah, crap. I invited one of my best friends from college. He didn't show up. Oh well, I don't you care. Are the like, devil, you are you are the devil on his shoulder right now. I am. I, well, if dude, if it is City versus United, you have to go see Alex Ross. You have to go see him through. <laughs> you can you can buy you can you can get the allotment and give it to me and I'll find a plane ticket and go over and handle it myself. Yeah. That's, that's, know, that's how we'll do it. We both know <laughs> that you do not have the money to make that plane ride on last Silence. minute notice. Silence. Silence. You're like I'll, I'll get a person alone to go watch that game. Uh but uh well uh before we, Did you have anything else? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, before we close out, I was going to ask Richard what he's got upcoming uh, or uh, if, if he has anything upcoming that he would like to share as, where, as well as where people can find him on Twitter. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Nothing, um, nothing upcoming as such. Um, the Blue Moon podcast that I am on um, is released every Friday. 
And along with the general um, hour-long show, we have a Patreon special for, for people who very kindly contribute to the running cost. Um, there is always an extra um, that usually looks at historical games against upcoming opposition, that kind of thing. Um, if you wish to take to, to take in the written form of uh, my opinions, I write two articles a week for Yahoo Sport UK, which I always publish via my uh, uh, I always share via my Twitter feed, which is at Richard the Burns, which is just my name with inexplicably the word the in the middle. I've never known why I did that, but I did, and it's stuck um, now. It, so. it, it's very distinguishing. <laughs> Or something, yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, we've we've been on the Blue Moon podcast. Obviously, we can vouch for the quality. It's a great podcast. Um, if you don't listen to it, you should. Um, and, um, and and the Patreon specials are kind yeah, of the really Patreons, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. If, if you have if you have the spare bucks, they they certainly are well worth your time and money. Um, I think they do, I think they do good work over there. Dadcast. Oh man, the dad! I love the dad cast. I mean, being able to do that. I mean, my dad was the first one on it, and I was so nervous, so nervous for what Mooney, who is uh, one of the two regular hosts, as obviously you know, he's been on your podcast, hasn't he? Um, but I was so nervous for what he had planned, um, and it—it it, it was without wanting to promote my own work too much. It was fantastic to be a part of. It's. Um, the, the work, as again, I'm sure you know with all that you do, the work that goes into to putting something like that together, I just get to turn up and, and just talk, much like I have done tonight. Uh, but the work that goes into putting that is, is fantastic, and, and David and Sam do a great deal to put that together. So um, thank you for your kind words about it. It's appreciated. Oh, we, uh, we are friends of the show, and, and we enjoy it. We enjoy having folks on from the Blue Moon podcast. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, I think that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yes. As so they much say love. in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. You want to bring I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, as, as ever, um, we, if you, if you don't follow us, we are at on Twitter at America citizens. Um, we are on iTunes. You can just search for the name American citizens, citizens with a Y. You can subscribe and get our our, our content, our, our hot takes freshly delivered right to your eye device of choice when we you know what we did do. Material. No, we what did, did we not do. do. We did we did not do one thing. We did not answer any listener questions, and that is because you don't have your computer in front of you, and I wasn't staring at the American Citizens feed until just now. Alas. This is what happens. Yeah. You can blame the windstorm. You can blame the fates. You can blame the fine people at Xfinity who have done nothing to, like, who have twice given me a wrong deadline for when my service would be restored. Um, it's their fault. It's all their fault. It, it, it really is. Um, and and honestly, <laughs> honestly, the one question that we got from C, uh, our our uh, our buddy, how did we how did he say it? Siegely? Didn't we get it right? How was it? Yeah, I did now, say that one, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. it right. I probably just got it wrong. Uh, but uh, even he 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 just wanted to know was uh, city should provide ask primarily focus on the FA Cup and Champions League. Yeah, right I read now. that one. 
Yeah, EP. I did okay, read that EP. one. Oh, okay, my bad. I mean, I was like, I I'm, think we answered it anyways, but I didn't know. I aim, I aim high, yeah. I, I, okay. I got on my phone because by some miracle, I still have power, which not a lot of people around here do. But yes, I, I did want to check, and we did Zip, get that one. We, we run... We love questions, so follow us on Twitter at America Citizens, and we will answer your questions because we like questions. So, um, Richard, again, thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you on again at some point. Um, yeah, it's been a thank pleasure. You. Thank you very much. Pleasure my end as well. I've enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. We, we aim to please. So, um, <laughs> for, for Josh, um, I'm Gray. We'll be back. Uh, hopefully, I, by the weekend, I will be able to get on the internet again and we will be able to do this normally, and I will not sound like I'm coming at you from the bottom of a lake. So, that is the American Citizens Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, have a great rest of the week. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the games, everybody. Thanks for listening.